Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Eddie, what are you doing? <laughs> just, uh, I just had a big old string come out of my boxers. It's Wes, but I do think about Pop Tarts a lot. And Walker. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. This is why we're the best news show. That's a promo. One more hour to go on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Are you going to make it? Was that the first time? Yeah. Was that the first time it gave out badly? <laughs> yeah, it's always when I it's it's like one of those. It's, it's like you're getting old and when you sit down on the couch, it's a little bit harder to get up from the couch. So it's just better to stand up, stay loose. So, you know, you just keep going. You don't have any of those hiccups or any of those problems. Yeah, the problem is when we go to break, I stop talking, and then I try to bring you 100%. It's just not going to be there. I'm going to give out. Look, I know you're like I know you're you're truly a little bit under the weather. I also think, did you go running yesterday and you just don't want to admit that you went running and lost your voice for the second time in a couple months? It's a sad moment in my history. <laughs> that is, you're not wrong for asking that question because that did happen to me, but no, I did not run. If I ran, I would have zero voice. I would not be able to hop on the mic. And I don't know who you, you just have to do solo radio. God, go take a lap. I know you want me to run. <laughs> you want me to run so bad. How fast would either Jeff Rickard or Colin Hoggard be in the studio? I feel like this would be a situation where you would lock yourself in the studio <laughs> where Jeff is pounding on the door to try to get in. And this was your last shot. And you knew as soon as he got in that. He would fire you, mm -hmm. but you were going to go out with a big old bang, <laughs> like just three hours nonstop locked in here. And I don't know what kind of takes you would let fly. I mean, it would, it would you would have to parlay it into a uh, an X rated YouTube podcast, not even X, just like a very explicit YouTube video podcast channel. Well, because like, here's the thing, because I knew like I would know I'm getting fired anyway, right? What does it matter unless I just want to completely ruin my, my chances of getting rehired at another station? Like, if I just go out guns blazing, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, expletives left and right, well, multiple it, FCC fines. Well, th this is the thing. You would be seeking a very specific audience, a very specific employer, you know, <laughs> not, not one that – not not the kind of demographic that is <laughs> listening to FNZ a ton or at least is the thing that we would uh, – we put out there, but yes, it would be very different. Your radio career would look a lot different. Let's talk about a little bit more of the North Carolina or even the ACC QB check-in. We checked in a little bit on MJ Morris, Brennan Armstrong, the NC State QBs. We also checked in with Riley Leonard after the injury update we got yesterday. High ankle sprain, going to be out for a couple of games. Don't know exactly how long, but at least it is not the broken ankle that would have kept him out. For the entire season, if we go to North Carolina, the school that you rep every single day, 
Drake May, 4-0. and This team, they're balling right now. And they were playing against App State after a big old win against South Carolina. They did not look nearly as good. They barely were able to squeak that one out. But they got the job done, even if their defense did not look as good as they did against the Gamecocks. Doesn't matter. Here they are, 4-0. and Drake May, no interceptions in this last outing. The last two games, he's starting to throw for 300 yards, 400 yards, rush for a couple of touchdowns. The guy looks like the real deal. What what do you think of now? All right, here's how I'll ask it. Do your expectations change at all based off what you've seen through the first four weeks compared to what they were at the beginning of the season? No, because I think my expectations going into the year, whether I was public with them or not, was very confident but was just trying to be very quiet because i i know this program like kind of like you know you and color time i'm joking with the hornets you 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 go into a year hopeful but you kind of know mm-hmm. at some point they're going to yank your heart out i came into this year very hopeful but at the app state game i was sitting there thinking like man it, it took a week for us to go off the high of beating south carolina now we're barely beating a a group of five team this is as most confident I've ever been in in a Tar Heel football team in my life. This is the most I've ever believed that they could get to Charlotte. They, they could compete to win a conference championship. Something I've seen them do twice, but I never truly believed it until like I turned the game on and there they were in Charlotte playing for an ACC championship. And I think this month is really going to either set the foundation for that to become reality or my heart's going to be broken again because you got to Pretty big game this week against Syracuse, a team that Wes thinks is really, really good. Well, and and look, it, yes, we we have extreme ends of the <laughs> polls here, right? Where Fiddy is on one saying, if you lose, you should be fired. And <laughs> Wes is saying, hey, wait, hold on. Syracuse is actually pretty good. So yeah. that's not even extreme difference. It's just you want somebody to be fired if they lose. But it is going to be a tough game in Chapel Hill. So that does favor North Carolina. Going to be kickoff at uh, 3.30 this upcoming weekend. And then it's Miami after that. I, I've said this a couple times. It's why it drove me crazy when Mac Brown was complaining about the schedule in the offseason. I like Mac Brown as a guy. I think everybody does. Yeah. The dude is a really cool dude. Everybody, everybody who works with him, whether it be in TV, who knows him personally, really likes him. Could not stand him complaining about the schedule. And the reason that was is because I didn't think it was – actually, I thought it was easier. I didn't think it was all that different from some of the other ACC schools that that you're talking about. And now it looks significantly easier. I mean, they don't have Florida State on their schedule. No. They don't have Notre Dame on their schedule. Nope. And you talk about this upcoming stretch – your, t- your two toughest games are going to be against Syracuse and Miami, both at home. The next two games you have will be against Virginia and Georgia Tech on the road, which Georgia Tech is sneaky. We get it. But your toughest three games are Syracuse, Miami, and Georgia Tech in no order. I, talk to me again about how your schedule is so much harder than everybody else's. Yeah, I, That has to play in to why you feel much more confident in this team than you have in the previous years. Because this is a team where their defense, they're not great by any stretch of the imagination. But they're okay. They can play average. And that's all you need. They're giving up 22 points per game. That's all you need. I mean, this is why it was so frustrating being a heel football fan. Because nobody was asking for the defense that Butch Davis 
legally or illegally put out there on the football field. <laughs> Nobody was asking for that defense where you had a whole bunch of NFL draft picks. Nobody's asking for Lawrence Taylor to have that that player again out there on the football field. We're asking for something average. So Drake May, this rushing attack, they can go out there and cook and maybe even the offensive line be average. But you're getting all of that. And we'll see what they do once the competition ramps up here, especially with Miami, the 17th ranked team. That's going to be the biggest game that you have until you face Duke, the third to last game of the season. It sets up pretty damn well. And Drake May's playing very good football right now. Miami is going to be another litmus test for this program. ESPN has created the six-day window, depending on the results this weekend with Carolina and Miami. If they're both undefeated, it's going to be a 730 kick on ABC. There's a very good chance college game day, which has never been to Chapel Hill for a Saturday game. They were there in 97 for a Thursday Florida State game. There's a very good chance that college game day would be in Chapel Hill for North Carolina and Miami. That'd be the second time Carolina had a college game day site game because they had the season opener against the Gamecocks here in Charlotte. And so, you know, I look at this month and like I put I put in the rundown, like, is this the month that Drake may really, I guess, reannounces his name to the college football world, right? Because we've been seduced by Caleb Williams, who I think is far and away the best quarterback in the country. I think there's a gap. We, we've, we've been mesmerized by what Shador Sanders has done. Michael Penix Jr. and Cam Ward have done great things for Washington and Washington State, respectively. I still think Drake May is the second-best quarterback in the country. And while October isn't as daunting as November, you got to go through October 1st. And I think this is a great chance for him to re-enter his name in the Heisman Trophy candidacy if Carolina emerges from this month 8-0. I was looking at Caleb Williams' stats just to compare him to Drake May. It's ridiculous. It actually is. 21 touchdown passes and one interception already. Look, I was about to say when you said there was a monster gap and look, I've seen the the clips. Caleb Williams is clearly still number one to me. I was just going to push back maybe a little bit on the gap. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to argue with 21 touchdown passes and one interception compared to five touchdown passes for Drake May. I'm so glad you're saying this. Flounder told me on Saturday as we were watching or we were we were talking as the Colorado game was happening and I, I gush over Caleb Williams. He told me he thought he was overrated. Yeah, he's not overrated. I'm like, I mean, if look, it's okay to say you think he's overrated if people are putting him up there with the, I don't know, I guess Trevor Lawrence's of the world as far as a prospect goes. Like, yeah, those are, that's a high bar to clear. We're talking about generational prospects. Caleb Williams, he looks fantastic though. And you got to give him all the credit in the world. I'll say this. you, You know how I feel about Drake May. I think Drake May is sensational. I know he has five touchdown passes. I know he has four interceptions, but I also know watching the game that context matters when you're talking about the football being fl- placed within the five yard line and they want to run the football more. And so that's how you're able to accumulate some touchdowns for the rushing attack instead of it being Drake may. And if we want to talk about the touchdowns that he accounts for, you had a couple of rushing touchdowns in this last game against Pittsburgh. So I don't know if I hold that against him. Are we going to give him more credit if he has seven touchdown passes and four interceptions and take away the rushing touchdowns? I mean, it's just so easy. He had nine yards rushing total, I think, something like that. And he was able to just pound it in there because you only have one or two yards to get. So that that to me, when you throw the lack of passing stats at him, that is something I don't necessarily understand. I know that guy is completing 73% of his passes throwing downfield right now. Yeah, that's what I know. And I know that he's making crazy plays. And if there's somebody open 20 yards downfield, he's going to hit him in stride. 
I, man, that guy looks fantastic to me, and that's why I never bought into Drake May getting off to this slow start or anything like that. We admit, a couple bad interceptions that you had against Minnesota, yeah. I believe it was. Those were awful plays, but I just, man, did we not see all the really good plays that he had against Minnesota? I guess we can acknowledge the bad, but whew, y'all are missing something crazy if you don't want to pay attention to all the positive downfield throws that he had. 400 yards? Yes, please. I'm not going to not draft you because you threw for a couple of interceptions against Minnesota that looked poor. We, we, we kind of got caught up in it last year. And I said this after they lost to Georgia Tech. I thought the team and the program was distracted trying to get Drake May and the Heisman uh, into New York. Because at the time, the Heisman was up for grabs because Caleb Williams hadn't yet had his quote-unquote Heisman moment. Here's the thing, like as as much fun as it would be, as cool as it would be to see Drake May in New York, and as great as it would be, it would see to see him raise the Heisman Trophy. None of that's possible unless you're winning games and you put yourself in a position to have that quote unquote moment. And right now, the first month of the year, the best recipe for that success was for Carolina to run the football with Omari and Hampton, a guy that two teams could not tackle. He ran right through them, and, and so I, I still think that like he proved he proved that in in the and in all four games, there were times in those games where Carolina needed their quarterback to be that guy, to make that play. And all four times, he did it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if they get into a game against Miami, whether it's primetime game or Duke on the road at Clemson, at NC State, where he could need, he, he may have to deliver that Heisman moment to get himself to New York, you should not be worried he's not going to come through because – so far in his career, all he has done is come through time and time again. All right, we have a couple more segments to go here on Wes and Walker, but not before I remind you about the NASCAR Cup Series returning to Charlotte and the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Bank of America Roval 400. WFNZ, we have your chance to win some tickets. If you want a shot to see all of the playoff action, text keyword race and only race, R-A-C-E, to the WFNZ text line at 704-570-9610 to get registered to win i'll repeat if you want tickets to the charlotte motor speedway bank of america revel 400 text in race and you will receive those you will receive a chance to win those tickets 704-570-9610 more weston walker with josh fitty Marlowe filling in sports radio 92.7 wfnz whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. You can text in 704-570-9610. We'll go back to the Carolina Panther conversation after talking a little college football, North Carolina, the Tar Heels, Drake May. The problem is I know a lot of people really don't want to talk about Drake May, especially if you're a Panther fan because you don't have a shot at him this year. And I'm not saying that you would go after a quarterback after you drafted Bryce Young number one overall. But I know T-Bone has got mad at it because of some of the people texting in on the morning show. But it's, hey, at least we could possibly tank to go get a top-tier quarterback in this next year's NFL draft. Problem is, you can't because you gave your first-round pick to the Chicago Bears. 
when you moved up to go select Bryce Young number one overall. And now, yeah, it looks like it could get ugly enough to the point where the Bears will have a shot at picking Caleb Williams to replace Justin Fields and possibly even a Marvin Harrison Jr. or somebody Mm. like that. And that would hurt. It would hurt. I mean, you still got to see Bryce Young through. And hopefully he can continue to progress and play a lot better. I know Joe Person talked about it when we had him earlier in the show. There's a lot of season left, but that's where I brought up the question. All right, is that a good thing or a bad thing that there's a lot of season left? I don't know. But, man, they start 0-4 for the first time since 2010. We know about the 2-15 and year. We know about the season that led to Cam Newton being the QB of this franchise. Is 2-15 and 15 a possibility? And if it is, Fiddy, does Frank Reich survive a two-win season after his first year here in Carolina? I don't know if 2-15 and is on the table. I think 0-6 is. I don't see them going to Detroit and beating the Lions. Golf at home statistically. And just keep this in your back pocket for when you rank the 10 players on Friday. Since he got to Detroit, him at home, he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. It's going to be a tough ask. Then you got to go to Miami. Wait, do you have stats on the Jared Goff ranking right there? There was a graphic that, okay. that Prime threw up because like, they were comparing him away from Ford Field than him. Gotcha. So just statistically, he's writing all this stuff. He's a top five quarterback. Uh, then you got to go to Miami. Um, that's the best offense in football. Don't see you winning those winning either of those games. So 0-6 going into the bye. I think and maybe you're wrong or maybe you disagree. I think if they're 0-6 going into the bye week, I think Andy Dalton starts after the bye because I think the staff is going to feel pressure to win. That way, that first-round pick that they gave up isn't going to a Chicago who could could get their franchise quarterback and their franchise wide receiver. My question is why then, though? I mean, if you're already losing, then winning is uh, the the only reason to win at that point is to make sure Chicago has a worse pick. And now you're sitting Bryce Young, not allowing him to gain as much experience as possible because the season, as far as winning a division title or getting to the postseason, is already lost. Yeah. And I don't want Chicago to be able to brag about how they were able to get Marvin Harrison Jr. on top of their own number one overall pick, whatever, right? Like, I I get that way of thinking, but I don't think that's best for the franchise to then bench Bryce Young, put Andy Dalton out there. So so we're going to have Bryce Young learn as much as he can in the first half of the season when everything goes so poorly and then sit him after there is some semblance of chemistry that he's able to create with the wide receivers. I don't see many advantages to sitting Bryce Young once you get to the halfway point. The only reason you might do it is because the offensive line is so poor and the wide receivers can't create separation and you're worried about his confidence. But for me, it's not necessarily about winning or losing at that point because you're already too de- in too deep at 0-7, 0-8, whatever it may be. Riddle me this. If, if, if they do what I think is, is, is on the table and they, 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 re- they sit him to quote-unquote protect him, but you still lose with Andy Dalton. So you still have a guy that maybe even Frank Reich prefers. And we've seen three Bryce Young game plans. We've seen one Andy Dalton game plan. It's very evident he trusts Andy Dalton more with his offense than he, than he trusts Bryce Young. If you put Dalton out there and you're still losing and maybe you're still not as competitive as you probably should be given the the coaching staff that was assembled – doesn't it make it easier if David Tepper wants to pull the plug on Frank Reich after one year? Like, if you see two quarterbacks out there and you can't win with either, 
makes it easier on you to to move on from him. And I'm not a proponent of firing head coaches after one season, but it's a lot easier and it's a lot more justifiable when it's a re a retread head coach like Frank Reich is. I heard Mac talking about this too. Don't you just want some continuity for the first time in a while, though? I mean, now this is the first time where you've had three important positions on the same page. At least I think so. Uh, maybe Frank Reich did one CJ Stroud. We talked about that with Joe Person earlier as well. But they ended up selecting Bryce Young. So the tenure begins with Scott Fitterer having sole responsibility over the personnel. This w- this past offseason was his first offseason having that kind of responsibility. Yeah. Matt Rule no longer in the building. He is a part of hiring Frank Reich. So now... He has to, I would hope that he has to approve, even if you think David Tepper is the guy making that decision. Hopefully Scott Fitterer is on board with it. So now you have a GM, a head coach, and they're going with a new quarterback. All of them are starting their tenure in their spots, really, for the first time. And when we go back to when David Tepper took over ownership, you had this weird hiring process where, okay, you hold on to Ron Rivera for a little bit. And then you have Marty Herney. All right, so you give them some time, but then you fire Ron Rivera. You keep Marty Herney. You and Marty, they go to Texas, eat Matt Rule's wife's meatballs, decide to hire him, bring him to Charlotte. Then you fire Marty Herney. You give Matt Rule a bunch of roster control to where then you bring out, right? Like there's just, there was never a clean sweep of decision makers. And now you have it. I'd like to have that a little longer than one year before you go changing things up again. If it gets so bad where you only win two games. All right. (laughs) I get it, but man, it's not going to make me think this franchise is any more functional. (laughs) It's going to be bad either way. And so I hope we don't get to that point. I really don't want to have those debates at the end of the season. Yeah. Because if, if we, if we get into that and you're moving on from Frank and Fitterer after this year, for the people that defend Tepper, how do you then defend him that at this point you would, you would, this organization would be a functioning dumpster fire and it would be an organization that's being muttered in the same breaths as the Browns, the Raiders, uh, the Bears. And that's not a good place to be in uh, because I think like, you know, every, every owner, when they get introduced, they win the press conference, like, like, like most head coaches win the press conferences. Matt Rule did. But I, I feel like, and, and I, I even observed this as a non-Panther fan when, when when Tepper bought the team, I really thought, given his background and everything, he was going to do what he said he was going to do, which was bring a consistent winner to the city. And it still may happen. I thought by now it would have already been established, and we're going into, what, year five of full ownership? And they're not winning at any level. Yeah, there's no postseason appearance to speak of. Yeah. I mean, if you're going on, if, if they miss the if they miss the playoffs this year, which at 0-4, that's going to happen. This is the longest playoff drought in the history of the franchise. Now, granted, it's a still relatively young franchise, but think about that. Think about since the Panthers came to town and came to the NFL. This has been a, a franchise that you know at least every three to four years is going to make the postseason. And the track record says they're going to win playoff games and go to NFC title games and go to Super Bowls. And for now, to be on six years of that not even being really a possibility, it's a hard reality for this fan base. Here's my question because a lot of people are asking, hey, or, or this is what we were talking about beforehand. 
0-6 is on the table if they lose to Minnesota. That's why the Vikings game was so huge, and that's why even if we were all spelling doom after the first three losses, we knew it was because if they lose this Vikings game with not a win to speak of, then it was going to be 0-6. Are we stopping short? I mean, Houston is now 2-2 two and two Yeah. after having two consecutive victories over Jacksonville. Should we have been saying, if you don't beat the Minnesota Vikings, then 0-7's on the table? They have the Colts after that, who just went to overtime with the Rams. They beat the Baltimore Ravens. Gardner Minshew, Gen Z Giants favorite, <laughs> going out there and performing well enough to get a victory. And are we saying is 0-8 on the table? I mean, Fiddy, the, the first game you're going to get to before the Panthers might, might be a favorite, and I still don't think it would be. They There's wouldn't. a road game at Chicago. It's the road game at Chicago. Which is still, like, if that game stays as a Thursday night game, I think that game is flexible. You would imagine that Prime, Bezos, comes in from his space tower and says, no, I don't want that game on my network. <laughs> That's correct. Y- you know, if, if it stays as scheduled on the road, short week, it's 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 a tough ass to, to go and win. I just don't know. I mean, we we went through the schedule, and look, I know I had them at ten and seven. I think you had them at nine and eight, ten and seven. Nine and eight is what I went with. I, we we looked at Houston and Indianapolis as wins because mm-hmm. we like the situations with our rookie quarterback better than their situation with their rookie quarterbacks. I don't know. Like if you lose at home to Houston when you're putting Moose and Pep into the Hall of Honor, and you lose to Anthony Richardson, and those guys are still clearly outplaying outplaying Bryce Young. If if Fitterer isn't gone by the bye week, that could be what doesn't him. Because oh man, David Tepper is experiencing the athletic director nightmare where you where you schedule what becomes a powerhouse for homecoming. That's what they did. Now you have Houston that is going to be in town for the time that you induct Julius Peppers or honor Julius Peppers and who's the other player they're honoring? That Moose. is Moose. Moose. Yeah. So thank you. So you're inducting both of Panthers legends into the ring of honor and you scheduled them for what you thought was this community college that yeah. was going to come into town <laughs> for homecoming so you could get a big old win for the alumni that's coming back to experience all the fun that is our new coaching staff and new quarterback and all that. Except no, now we're honoring Julius Peppers and Musa Muhammad at halftime where you see the scoreboard reading Houston 13, Panthers nothing. Yeah. That's what you're reading, and that's going to be really tough to swallow. And look, you're talking about a coaching staff that is not getting any better right now. Like, Or, or the offensive product, the Carolina Panthers, it's not getting better throughout the first four weeks. And we've been sitting on a couple of heat-seeking missiles from Josh Norris of <laughs> Underdog Fantasy. I think it's time to deploy both of those missiles. Let's go to Josh Norris discussing how disgusted he is with the coaching staff for the Carolina Panthers watching this Vikings game plan. This Panthers coaching staff, like literally might be the worst in the NFL. I'm not going to go into monologue here, but all of like the concerns that Hayden and I talked about heading into this game of, okay, you can't run the football as we've seen on the Vikings over the last couple of weeks, because Brian Flores puts literally seven people in all the gaps all along the offensive line. And so the Panthers just decided Okay, when they do this, obviously we're just going to kill, kill, kill and check the play to a wide receiver screen. It's pretty obvious that this was the oh game God. plan. Look at that. And chart. all it led to was <laughs> 10 receptions to the right behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Brutal. The worst coaching staff in the league. 
you realize we heard the exact opposite of that take in the offseason. Yeah. That it was the best coaching staff in the league. And it wasn't from any Panthers homer. You were going on NFL Live and you were hearing, what, Lewis Riddick, Dan Orlovsky discussing the coaching staff that they were able to assemble. Jim Caldwell, smart man in that building. Dom Capers, smart man in that building. Offensively, it's not what Dom Capers is doing. But we were discussing that being the best coaching staff. Josh McCown, I don't know how much evidence there was to suggest that he's a great coach. We know Houston was very interested in him a couple of years ago, but still a quarterback that's been in the league for a long time. And Frank Reich, again, who has success as a play caller in this league. It's not working for him right now. And this is where you go back to some of those tweets. I don't know what the real problem is or if it logically, we would say that there is a mix of problems. The play calling from Frank Reich. The offensive line being in complete shambles, especially at the left guard spot. The wide receivers not getting open, and if they do get open, some of them will drop the football. And, you know, Bryce Young, even if they're open, it might be on a screen pass because Frank Reich has drawn that play up again. Let's go back to another take from Josh Norris. Here he is saying, yeah, here we are talking about when the play calling duties need to be handed over. Josh Norris of Underdog Fantasy is telling you they need to be handed over right now. Thomas Brown, it is about time that he gets a hold or at least a chance of this play calling because the entire process for the Panthers right now is extremely slow. They break the huddle with less than 10 seconds to go. They have two play calls in the huddle at the line of scrimmage and Bryce has to check it all and make all these calls. And it's just a, a chance of delay of game on literally every single snap. It's awful. It's putrid. Nothing's working. Play calls are slow. Pass catchers are slow, nothing creative, and this is what you get for an 0-4 team without a first-round pick and without truly, I would say, any hope, which is really bad to say about the team that just had the number one overall selection in the NFL draft. That is a dark, dark picture painted by Josh Norris. And look, this is with the Thomas Brown thing. I still am a little reluctant to give over play calling duties to Thomas Brown because I think even for his sake, if he becomes the play caller, hell, even now, right? So you got to keep up with Miami. You got to try to keep up with Detroit. You know, Houston as well, if you lose to a team that also has a rookie QB. I just don't know if he comes in and doesn't succeed the first three games, then is that his shot? Like, or how much, how much hit does his momentum in the coaching ranks take at that point? Yeah. How much are they saving Thomas Brown a little bit? And that's not what Frank Reich is attempting to do. What he's attempting to do is call good plays for his rookie QB. At least you hope so. But I just don't want Thomas Brown to be thrown into this situation where he is the guy. And then now there's momentum that takes a big old hit because he can't succeed. Bryce Young is still thrown for 150 yards and a couple of interceptions. And now we're saying, okay, well now where do we go? Now who gets play calling duties because it didn't work with Frank Reich and it also isn't working with Thomas Brown. Look, I I think in a large part, I I think, I think Frank Reich has been reluctant to give up the play callings to protect Thomas Brown because he, maybe he knows internally, look, it's, it's a lose, lose situation for him as well. But to me, this is, to me, this is an ego thing. And I was at the week two game. So I, I saw how slow the process is. Oh, yeah. We, it's, it's been a problem this it's, entire season. It's maddening. So you're talking about having a rookie quarterback break the huddle with 12 seconds on the play clock after he never huddled his entire life. Like he, he's played in a spread offense since he started since he played quarterback position. Maybe that's part of it. 
But you're not giving him enough time to use his brain at the line of scrimmage to dissect the defense because he doesn't have time. So he's probably panicking and killing plays he doesn't need to check out of. But for me, the final straw was after he admitted on Sunday, not knowing that Adam Thielen wasn't in the game. <laughs> it's a bad sound. And, and had the, the, the play call designed for, to get Adam Thielen the ball. I'm a fan of a team whose head coach calls the plays. I like to think that Mike McCarthy knows who's in and who's out at all times. You don't think Kyle Shanahan knows who's on the field and who's not? Sean McVay, Andy Reid. That's why it's really, it's a damn hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to call the plays and manage all the extracurricular things that are going on while the game itself is going on. So I don't, and look, I don't know. Maybe this is where Tepper needs to be meddling Tep and tells him, Frank, no, because you can't do it. You're not. It's like we got four games of evidence that say you can't manage the clock correctly. You can't get the play calls in on a timely manner. And our offense is putrid. Your defense scored more points than your offense did on Sunday. The game management aspect is something I probably have more of a problem with than the actual play calling for it's Frank Reich. It's Ron Rivera's. The game management has been, I mean, it's been awful. And if you look at that, how it ended the last, uh, the last play sequence in the first half of this game against Minnesota, Frank Reich did tell you that he should have called a timeout. Man, we're past the point of saying what you should have done. It's time for us to see it. That's what fans want. I, I want to be patient with a guy that's a first-year head coach here for this team, but we've seen him be a head coach of a team before, and you should be more experienced in those game management decisions than what you're showing as it currently stands, especially with a rookie QB. Yeah. Especially with a rookie QB, you're supposed to be taking care of this kind of thing, the 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 easy things, right? I, I hope he's not making it too hard on Bryce, which you could do the fake tears if you want to, but man, do we need two play calls every time? You're trying to relay that message. And so now you're eating up time on the play clock where this is exactly what Josh Norris is referencing. I, I referenced this and brought up Joe Brady's name. That was a huge problem people had when Joe Brady was the offensive coordinator here, such a young guy. It's happening here with Frank Reich. Yeah, it's happening there. And we haven't escaped that problem. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's move on to the last segment of the day. Then we'll hand it off to Kyle Bailey and Smoke Ludwig. Once again, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Today's episode, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Whew, end is almost here, Fiddy. You gave yourself a victory today. You said, you know what? I just want to say, I did a great job today. I made some excellent points. And then I believe you said, um, what, how did, I don't know how you said it, but you referred to discussion as discuss. Yeah. Which, this is what I want to, does it mean that you're a jackass or an irredeemable jackass if you refer to discussion as discuss? Because you've also done that with conversation by saying conversation. I know I, str- I I strike a nerve with you if you if you just outwardly like cuss at me because you're not much of a, a cusser. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. You know, like you're very. Just, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's, I, it's more like I'm the one that will come in here and be like, "Damn hell, ass." Oh, 
I'll say some of those, but but the uh, yeah you yeah know, we're like just, <laughs> but Jamie, you just called me a jackass. I, I just ask, what well, which one are you? Right. <laughs> so the answer is yes to both. <laughs> but uh, you know, I also God, what did I say earlier in the show? I was talking about my uh, my eating habits. Oh my God! And yeah, uh, you, you know, because you're you're clearly under the weather, and y'all y'all give me a hard time about the way that I eat. And I was more like, so West. Yes, more, it's more West. More so West. But sometimes like, when I tell you I eat three toaster strudels, you're like, oh, God, that's a lot. It is, though. <laughs> and I had three the other day, and I could have eaten more. It's so many. And uh, I refer <laughs> to it as of my uh, my deity habits, and uh, I don't even know what that word is, means, or how you even spell it. No, you said dietize. Or, di- or yeah, diety. No, you're, that deity is God. That is not what you mean. You mean diet. You said dietize. Diet. That's it. Yeah, dietize. Wait, wait, which, which I don't even know how you used it in a sentence. As boss man <laughs> crosses his arms and looks at you in disgust. You said. This is why I don't talk, Jeff. <laughs> you said, I know that you and Wes make fun of me for how I dietize. And now I guess you're, yeah, it's not deity. <laughs> no one is calling you a deity here at this station. No one is doing that. No, no, you have called yourself that, I'm, I'm sure, by calling yourself the station. Um, but even with all of that, I still have to say you were better than I was today. I've been struggling, man. You know, I'm playing hurt, and uh, I think you can tell. I, Matt, I mean, Matt, Matt Rule would love you and appreciate your efforts today for showing up hurt. 704-980. Let's go. I feel like Christian McCaffrey that's playing on a bum ankle 100% of the snaps. <laughs> I feel like Dante Jackson, who is playing despite being banged up and having an ankle injury. It, it doesn't matter. He's still putting me out there. I did want to end with a, uh, I guess, an either or question for you here, Fitty. So it has to do with Charlotte Hornets Media Day and NBA Media Day. Uh-oh. What is the bigger insult? This is the question to you. It has to do with your boy, Kelly Oubre. And it also has to do with your boy, James Borrego. (laughs) And I want to know what you think is the bigger insult. All right. So we all know what Kelly Oubre had to say at Philadelphia 76ers media day. He said this team wins every year, right? The fan base wants them to win more. But I come from teams where they have no hope, like zero hope within the whole city. And that's not this at all. So I appreciate the fan base for being hard on the team. You want to talk about Twitter Kelly Oubre habits when you looked at my likes? I saw you quote tweet this and say, point to the lie. (laughs) Because, of course, you are going to defend Kelly Oubre at every turn. All right, so did Kelly hurl a bigger insult to the city of Charlotte, or did Miles Bridges do so to James Borrego when he said this? I like the way Clifford does things. Everybody knows their role. That's what I would say is the biggest difference between James Borrego and Steve Clifford. Bigger insult to you. What do you think it is? Wow. I was not prepared for that. The Borrego slander from Miles Bridges. Yeah, I mean, the thing about – the I'll go with Miles because what doesn't make any sense is he had his best career – his best season of his career under James Borrego. And now maybe it's because of the way the Hornets are constructed this year. I don't think he'll put up the same numbers he put up two years ago where he was a fringe all-star mm-hmm. on the verge of getting the bag. I don't know if that's going to happen with the way this team is currently constructed. But the Kelly one, like as much as I I quote tweeted it to say to defend, you know, because he's my guy and he's no longer here. It felt a little trolly. It, it felt was, a little trolly. I mean, it's not just Charlotte. Like he played for the Wizards. And since John Wall and Bradley Beal kept losing in the second round to LeBron James, what has that organization had to hope for? It is ironic that he played in Golden State 
a championship organization. That's right. And, so, and not and not the year that he was there. Yeah. So, um, by the way, just, you know, and I, I know we, we jab about the NBA. Like, you know, you're a big fan of it. It's not my cup of tea. I love media day, though, because you had Kelly out here trolling. You had Jimmy Butler being Jimmy Butler. Oh, we need to talk about that more. Uh, my head coach shows up in a year where the Knicks could finish third in the East. And depending on how chemistry flows with Boston and Milwaukee and Eastern conference finals is on the table for the Knicks. He shows up with a list of stats to back up why Evan Fournier got benched and taken out of the rotation yesterday. Do you have the soundbite? I, I, I didn't because, uh, Thibodeau is not, he's not one to, you know, he's not one to mince words about no. how he truly feels. So, you know, media day yesterday, uh, Chris Paul just does not, look right in a Golden State uniform. We did see that. That was weird. Yeah, I mean, well, this would have been a good question if we didn't have only two more minutes to go in the show. <laughs> but it was, what were some of the weirder things that we saw from NBA breaking news because of media day? Uh, I do like this insult to Kelly Oubre. 980 wrote in on the text line, Kelly Uber is just a journeyman. Wow. It's pretty good. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Come on. No, look, the tsunami poppy will always be defended here in Charlotte. And I didn't get to put down one of my top storylines out of Hornets Media Day. What is it? Which but one my question would have been, mm -hmm. who's scoring for this team off the bench? Because that's when, you know, talking about a role, when Oubre had his role as the guy coming off the bench. He did? He did a admirable job scoring for the Hornets. No, he did. I mean, well, yeah, not. <laughs> What's crazy is two years ago, this team, especially in the first half of the season, was going as Kelly Oubre went. He was the biggest provider of how wide that variance was. If Kelly Oubre showed up, they would win a game. If he didn't, then they would not win a game. Yeah. And so you look at, especially in the first half of the season, uh, a couple of other people writing in Bradley shooting blanks wrote in Jimmy Butler's hair was the biggest takeaway. Yeah. I saw a lot of fantastic jokes, uh, ball out boy. Fantastic. Um, for those that don't know the lead singer, I believe the bassist of that band is Pete Wentz. So a lot of people were going heat Wentz, which is my favorite. My girl, <laughs> shout out, shout out to Olivia. My girlfriend came up with that one before seeing any quote tweets as well. So that one was very good. Um, a lot of people really liked what they saw with Jimmy Butler. The dreads last year goes Gothic emo this year. My question is, How, what do you do next year? Oh, I'm sure he'll bald, come up with something. Bald Butler. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Bald Butler would be funny. I'm sure he would look fine with his <laughs> hair bald, but I would like to uh, I would like to see what he does. My question is, man, are are the teams going to roll with it? Because there were so many times they would use a different photo. You got to use it. It's media day. You got to use the photo that he gives you with the heat wince look. You got to embrace it. I mean, just look, look, look at the the amount of run and interaction that would get social media wise. And these teams, they, they care about that stuff in the modern sports world. So I hope so. I hope I hope Mike Breen calls like a dagger three on a random NBA Friday night. And whenever they just put this picture up with his stat line, mm -hmm. it's emo Butler. Love it. It goes for like 39 and 18. Love it. That's what I hope, too. All right. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Big thanks to Fiddy filling in for Wes Bryant. It's Kyle Bailey and Smoke Ludwig coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.